Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. And today it's the face behind your audiobooks because we've got uh, the talented TV, film, and voice actress Jess Nahikian with us tonight. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to, to talk to you because, uh, of course, we've been able to work together in a professional capacity on recording an audiobook, which I thought was a super great experience to be able to work with you. Um, yeah, it, awesome. and it's been, it's, I've, you know, enjoyed learning about you a little bit. And of course I've done a little, you know, part of, I think looking for a narrator is do a little bit of background research and try to figure out who it is that you're hiring, but you had such a cool, uh, story, but for people who aren't familiar with you, who don't know you, could you maybe give them just a, a brief synopsis of, of who you are and what you do? Sure. So, um, I'm just, I live in New York. Um, I went to school overseas. I went to school in Scotland. Um, that's where I got my undergrad in acting. So I lived in Glasgow for three years while I studied and got my BFA or BA equivalent in acting. Uh, and then I lived in London for a year. Um, I had an agent over in London for a little while and was kind of living back and forth between a bunch of places, doing a lot of traveling, doing what, doing what you should do when you graduate from college, I think. Um, yeah. and I was really blessed to be able to do it. So I did a lot of cool traveling and I, um, hung about in the UK for a little while. And then I, and then I came back to New York. Um, and it's, it's been good here. So I, I, um, I do a little bit of film and TV acting as, as you said, and then, um, quite a lot of voiceover lately. So yeah. it's been good. I, I do audiobooks and then I've done a couple of commercials and, um, some nonprofit stuff. So that's kind of my whole spiel. I was geeking out about some of the, the gorgeous cover arts of some of the books you've been able to, to work on recently. I was looking at your recent, uh, you know, works in progress and yeah. uh, some of the books are, are really good. So, um, yeah. what got you into acting originally? How did you know when you were young that that was the avenue for you? Was there a particular moment that said, okay, I'm definitely gonna be an actress? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think there, there was a, there was a specific moment for me. I, I did a lot of theater and performing when I was a kid. I, I, my background was in, I did ballet for a really long time. And then I did, um, kind of like a children's opera thing as you do when you're a kid and your parents can't take care of you for the entirety of the summer. Um, yeah. So I did a lot of those kinds of camps. But then um, I did a show in high school that I remember it was hard hitting. There was a lot of, you know, maybe maybe heavier material. Um, and I, I would have been about 16 at the time. And I was playing a girl who was dealing with um, some trauma and some abuse related issues. And I, I remember we were doing the show and it was still a thing that I just found fun and I was passionate about um and then I, I remember there was a girl who came up to me after one of the shows that we did and 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 she was pretty emotional and she was um she she said thank you and I you know, I was 16 and I was just like kind of high off the adrenaline of the show yeah. and I was like oh yeah no sure no problem thanks thank you and she was like no no thank you um that was me that's me what you just did and and I didn't know anybody else felt like that Oh wow! And um, yeah, and I think I think that for me was a moment where I realized that something that I liked to do, that I was passionate about, that I had a small aptitude for, could could help someone <laughs> um, mm -hmm. in a way that was maybe more more than just self-serving. So it, it became about 
um, how to share experiences with other people that you wouldn't always be able to have, um, or, or telling people that they're not alone or making them laugh when they need to. Um, so I, that's, that's, that was the moment for me that it became, Oh no, no, this is something I want to do. Yeah. It's kind Uh, of amazing to see that point where a creative art, something like, you know, art or, you know, acting or, um, music, course, writing, when you have yeah. those sort of crossover moments where you touch someone's, you know, inner person and they, yeah, it's whether it's the material, whether it's you, whether it's your performance of it or, you know, however mm. it's translated across, it's, it's pretty fascinating experience. Um, I think that's really cool that you were able to experience that so young and then yeah. have that be a driving motivation. That's, that's pretty awesome. And then, uh, so you got into, I know you've done some theater work, um, so mm-hmm. you worked it. You mentioned that you, you know, had done stage acting. How was the transition from going from stage to wanting to get into other media, like you know, film and TV? Um, so I, when I graduated from college, I thought all I ever wanted to do was theater. Um, and my life had other ideas about what that was going to mean. Um, but yeah. I, I did do, I did do a fair amount of theater, and I think the transition for me was about figuring out how to find that moment of recognition in a medium that is much more intimate. So, you know, that, that moment of recognition that, that the young girl and I had about shared experience was with a large audience in front of a bunch of people. And my voice was, had to be louder than it normally is. And my, um, interaction with other people had to, had to be at a level that was perhaps expanded, you know, yeah. and not, not, not truthful, just expanded. Yeah. Um, and I think now working more, uh, in TV and film and, and audio, that moment of connection is very intimate because yeah. humans are pretty good at pretty good lie detectors. And I think that we can hear the lie in, especially when we're close to each other. So yeah. if my voice is in your ear, I want it to be like I'm telling you a story as we lay together in a bed. Like I want, I want it to be that pillow talk kind of intimacy. Yeah. Um, so that, so that I can let you into the experience I'm having rather yeah. than it being here. Let me paint a picture broadly for you. It's not a landscape photo. It's, it's, it's more intimate. Yeah. Um, so I think that that transition took a lot of learning because I was used to techniques that were, to help me enunciate or to help me broaden. But I think, yeah, I think it was more about finding the way to be close to an audience you can't see. I think that's interesting too, because it reaches a variety of different levels. Like uh, one of the reasons why I selected you as a narrator when we got to work together was because of your writing. Uh, On your website, you had some writing that was, that you you weren't shy about going deep and getting, I don't know how, how you describe it as, as poetry or just narrative. How would you describe your writing most of it? Um, I, I free. <laughs> it's my place. to. It's, it's very, it's very creative, but it's, but it's, yeah. um, it's very personal. Like it has that element of you're being told a story by some, uh, by being told a personal story by someone. And I think that was one of the things that drew me to your work because, um, that was what I was looking for. It's, it's like, we, we don't want this, omniscient narrative distance anymore in our fiction 
uh, as writers usually. Most of the time, that's kind of an old style of writing where we have this you know, broad picture. And like you said, it's much more personal to feel like this person that's in your ear is, is someone you know. Is it tough for you as the actress, the voice actor, no longer having that audience with getting direct feedback, no longer having the direct contact? Like when you're working with television and, and film and audio, you're not necessarily seeing the person respond to your performance anymore. Has that been a difficult transition for you? That's interesting. Um... I would say it isn't as much as when I, it has been an, a, a, a challenging transition because I think, um, I think as you say, you're sort of now in a void. You know, I, I did, a, I filmed an episode of Blue Bloods um, about a month ago before all of this business started, before we were all in our homes. Yeah. And it was a really funny scene. And I remember when I auditioned for it, um, the producers and the writers were laughing and, you know, like there was that feedback. And then when we got on set, you know, nobody's laughing because right. we're, we're trying shot. to make it yeah. seem like there are only three people here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a, definitely a transition, even in the minutia of like audition to actually working. Um, but I think it, it's always just about honing that trust within yourself that you're going to have a good barometer to know if you're lying or not. Oh, you know, I, I'm maybe it's similar in writing where, and I feel it when I'm writing too, I know if I've not told the truth, if I'm trying to make it something, or if I'm trying to tell somebody about it, it's never really the truth. If I'm just living in it and doing it and being, that's maybe more truthful. Yeah. I don't know. That's quite abstract. I think but I think it's always for me just about trust and like finding that way to be connected. Yeah. And Interesting. That's, that's a valuable skill because you have a, a very important job when it comes to voice acting where you are the medium where as an author, I just put words on a page and the voice in the reader's head is typically just their voice. They invent it in, the, in their own heads and they, um, people often talk about how, how, writing novels is like building a jungle gym and you're just it's mostly empty space that the reader populates no one ever sees the same story in their head the reader invents it themselves like they will see a completely different film in their mind than everyone else will see until until it's actually on screen and made into a film then we all see the same thing and that's why people complain like oh no that's not the right actor for that or that's but you get to be this sort of middle person where they're hearing your voice and you're translating the experience of what we've written into the listener's ears in a personal way. And I think that's such an interesting job for you to have to treat that material and then translate it basically uh, into a performance, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Was it a big, was it a challenge going from um, like a visual medium, like acting and um you know, um, theater or, or film and, and no longer having your body language and things to work with and having to just do your voice. What was that like? That's really interesting. Um, I, I think, um, I had an acting teacher, so I didn't find that particular element of it challenging. Um, because I think, I think a lot about acting and, um, and, 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 and the work that I do as, as sort of, should it should be recognizable regardless of the language you speak so I had an acting teacher who was amazing in college who said you know we should be able to 
not understand the language you're speaking and still understand what's going on because we should understand the noises that are being made. We should understand where that's coming from. We should understand what you're feeling based on, regardless of the words that you're saying. Um, And that's how you embody vocally what's going on in a scene. So that's how, you know, I can go to see a play in French and I know what's going on because of the way that people are interacting vocally. Um, so I think that that's a lot of the work that I try to do is is try to figure out what's the sound I make when I feel this way. Oh, what, where does that where does that live here in like in my voice? You know, so like yeah. if I'm afraid, what do I sound like? And so a lot of it is sort of this weird like zoom out on my life where I sort of try to watch like oh I was really afraid right then what noise did I make? <laughs> Which okay. is it's a whole different brand of kind of like weird actor crazy, but. Um, but it's a lot of like self observation, which I think maybe is similar in writing too, where like to capture the moment, you have to understand how you would have experienced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how you how your characters who are different from you might behave differently, and that's of course yeah. an interesting challenge for you because you're no you go from playing one character on TV or, or one character in a, on a, in a play to being all the characters uh, in a book. Yeah. If you're doing, you know, a single narrator piece. Um, so that's got to be interesting because now you've got to embody not just one person, but all these different characters. Um, yeah. What made you decide to get into voice acting as a job? Oh, I wish it was a decision. I, I didn't make that decision. Um, no, I, I, uh, I was doing a favor for um, somebody I knew who was, who was doing a startup and they needed a voiceover. And because I had spent so much time in the UK, they hired me to do like a British RP. Mm. Um, and I was in the studio recording it and the engineer was like, hey, have you thought about doing audiobooks? I think you should submit to this place called Brilliance Audio. And I was like, cool, I'll do it. That sounds fine. <laughs> and then I am doing it now. I, it yeah. wasn't really, I wish it were like, a thing I chased, but it, it is, it isn't, it's a thing that was an accident and I'm in love with it. Cause I, I was an only child. So I'm an only child. Um, so I grew up listening to a lot of audiobooks. Those were like my friends. Yeah. I, there are audiobooks I could quote from yeah. to this day. So I, I'm serendipitous for me, but not intentional. Interesting. <laughs> no, I think that's cool. Um, got quite a few, uh, actor, or, I'm sorry, not actors, uh, authors watching. Um, I see Boo Walker's watching. I see Rice Walker's watching. Uh, Mike, a lot of walkers tonight. They're not all related, so um, good to see you all. Um, so my mom's watching, and she says hi. So um, quite a few people. If you have questions for Jess throughout the episode, of course, as always, feel free to throw up your comments and questions, and we'll be uh, doing our best to answer them. Um, so you got to work with Brilliance Audio. And then um, did you immediately also start doing works on uh, ACX and kind of freelancing a little bit on the side or how'd that work out? No, I um, I was just working with Brilliance for a little while, trying to um, kind of figure out, like trying to really hone my craft and trying to figure out what it meant to be in this world because it's sort of its own little side world. Yeah. Um, it's got its own superstars and its own, you know, big players and its own logistics um and so i i think i was trying to slow roll it and figure out how i wanted to if i if it was something i was really interested in if it was something i was good at how to be better at it um 
And then pretty much in the last six months, six to nine months has been, I've been hitting ACX a little more. I've been working with a couple other publishers. Um, and I really like that. There is something different about working with independent authors like yourself, mm -hmm. which I really, really like. And it's the intimacy of it. I think it's the connection. It's like, oh, yeah. this person that is in front of me wrote this. This is their, this is a thing that they sat in either this room or another one and thought about and yeah. came from their experiences and came from their imagination. And I think that's, that's really exciting. Yeah. It can be a little nerve wracking. Um, oh, because sure. again, it is that person's like, it's like having a, the writer in the room is always a, a fear for actors of like, okay, but is this what they thought about? Is this, am I doing okay? It's the, you know, it's, it's the major fear, but it, it is also, you know, thrilling in that way. I think as well. That's, that's interesting. Um, for me, I love the performance. I love writing something and then having an, an actor or actress perform that that's one of like the things I geek out about the most. I love hearing the auditions. Um, some of them are awful, but they're still fun. <laughs> and, um, for people who aren't, if any listeners are listening who aren't familiar with ACX, it's the Audiobook Creation Exchange, which is um, owned by Amazon, Connect, connected to you know Audible, iTunes. Um, if you want to meet a narrator, it's where I found Jess. You can find a lot of um, talented people on there who will, and you can select by voice type, things like that. For example, in my book, I definitely needed someone who could pull off um, a Scottish character who was one of, a small <laughs> character in my book. And so I was gauging a lot of the auditions on based on whether or not they could do this Scottish accent during this one scene, and um, which is what one of the things that put Jess at the top of the list was because uh, <laughs> you had some experience there um, and were able to, to pull that off. But there's a lot of challenges that can come with these um, audiobooks because you've got accents, you've got, like I said, you have male characters, female characters, children. Um, there had to be a pretty challenging like learning curve to this, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard because, you know, very often um, we're told as actors, like, bring it from you, like, whatever is you is honest. And then all of a sudden, you know, like my first, the first book I ever did had 27 different characters, all of which who had different accents. Um, and there were crazy combinations like London Portuguese and oh, wow. things I'd never heard of in my life. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it is just having to trust that you've done your work and you have your creative instincts and all of that. But also um, the best piece of advice when it came to audiobooks that I ever got was just take everyone seriously. Hmm. No matter how ludicrous it seems to you or even how ludicrous it seems to the protagonist, take everyone seriously because everybody is always trying their best or doing what they think is the next best thing. And so the best way to bring a character to life is just to take that person seriously and say, this is a real person with real thoughts and feelings and a whole background of life experience and don't write them off with your voice. Don't write them off with yeah. your judgments, yeah. write them off or write them right with them, right with what you've written. Listen. What, yeah. what is some advice that you can give to authors who are maybe just starting out a relationship with a narrator? Um, maybe first a book in a series or something like that. Any advice to people um, who are just getting into this for the first time about how to make that go smoothly? I think for me, I always just want people to feel like they can talk to me. Um, and if there's something that's not right or something that doesn't feel like what they wanted, I always want that. I always want the honesty. 
Um, and the authors, I always hope the authors can feel that they can talk to me honestly about my performance. And if it's not there, I will always try to get it there. That's personally what I, when I work best is when I have that connection. I've done a couple of books that like authors are less interested in what I'm doing and they just want the audiobook done. Mm -hmm. And that's an uncomfortable space um, for me, especially working with an independent author to not have that feedback because I don't feel then there's the connection in the conversation about it. It's just me hoping I do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's a big one. And then I also think like, go with your gut. It's your book. It's your character. If you find somebody whose voice is really right and you feel like that's your girl or your guy, do that, mm -hmm. you know, because that you're going to, there's, there are fewer things that are harder to change than not finding the right individual, not finding the individual who embodies what you've written. Right. I think that is you really know? important, um, getting that voice. And especially because, you know, if you go on to write a series, you may be working with this person for multiple books and have them, you know, the, the readers, of course, grow accustomed to this particular voice as a character. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, to carry that through. Because um, and there's a quite a few people who get attached more attached to narrators than they do to authors. Especially, you know, in the romance community, especially, they'll follow around particular narrators that they think are excellent, and you know, buy all those books, um, which I think is interesting because it's a whole other level of talent that you're bringing to the table there. Um, but I, I thought it was really interesting um, getting to know you, of course, and, and being able to be able to work with you. I thought you were very easy to work with, which, which was great. You were, you were very quick, which was wonderful. One of the reasons, um, too, which I was really impressed because you, your turnaround time was so amazing. Um, but you now have a booth in your apartment, which is I do. fantastic and super cool. I uh, do. It's right. It's right here. <laughs> I'm looking at it. It's very big. <laughs> and uh, now is kind of a cool time to be you know, able to work in a booth in your own apartment, um, especially living in New York and uh, being at the epicenter of, of uh, this COVID outbreak. Um, has that affected your, your work mentally? That's a um, good question. I don't know. Uh, yes. So I do a lot of, for whatever reason, I do quite a lot of um, books about individuals who are really going through something. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know why that's just yeah. what it, that just seems to be the, um, the theme with audiobooks. And, and I think, um, it can be quite difficult to spend, you know, six hours by myself with a person who's really working through it and, and a book that's can be quite tragic and, and, and then to kind of go out into the world hoping for some relief and it's just all tragic and hard and everything scared. You know, I, I think there that that has affected my ability to work long periods of time. I'm having to work, you know, three hours a day rather than what I would usually work would be like a full work day. Hmm. Um, just because I, I, I think it can get quite in the muck yeah, no, <laughs> if you let it. Um, yeah. I can see it being challenging um, to your just mental health trying to do that all the time. And because we, as authors, we put our characters through the ringer um, as a job. Like the whole point of the story is conflict and difficulty. So yeah. your job is, of course, to see these characters through all these conflicts and difficulties. And I, I imagine 
uh, as an empathetic person that you're probably absorbing some of that along the way or you're having to emote this at least and uh, act like this is happening to you so I, I, I'm, I think that's an interesting experience to have to go through yeah and I think the, the last thing I ever want to do is make it it's make it a cookie cutter experience like I don't ever want to do a book and go into a book and be like, well, I know, I know what to do here. I want to all, I want it to always be a discovery because that's where life happens, right? Like that's where that's mm -hmm. happening for these characters. It's right on the edge of uncertainty. And I don't ever want to go into a book and be like, well, this is what I do for all the sad women. Like I don't right, yeah. <laughs> want that. And so I think it takes a lot of like refocusing and re um, connecting when things are hard also outside yeah <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of tendency and and temptation to just like skim the surface but you really that's not what your job my job is at all right it's, i think there's, a, there's such a big difference between just reading a book and performing a book or in this case you know voicing characters i think there's different levels to that um what are some, some, maybe some tips you have for people who are thinking about getting into this and thinking like, hey, maybe should I try to voice my own book? A lot of people, of course, voice their own nonfiction or things like that. Do you have any tips for people who are just maybe starting out in this and trying to get into this industry? I would say listen to books. Listen to authors you respect. Listen to narrators you like. Ask people, um, ask people whose opinion you respect who they like to read and who they like to listen to. Um, I've, I listen to about 65 audiobooks a year because I really, on top of the other books that I, I both narrate and read in my spare time. And I, I do that because I think it's, it's important to develop your own taste. Like that's mm -hmm. part of being a creative person is to know what other people are doing. So you know what you like and don't like. Yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily to mimic but it is to say, oh, that was really interesting what they did there. I never thought about that. Or, ooh, that did not work. I, <laughs> I will not be doing that. I got to avoid that. You know, so I, I think if you're looking to voice for a creative passion or just because you want to, I think listening is important. Yeah. And especially to people you respect and to new new people that you've never heard of. Makes sense because that, that, there's so many parallels to that between that and being an author. Because as a writer, you're constantly trying to read in your genre. Read someone out of your genre, too, to push your limits. And then, you know, picking up on voice, picking up on, you know, style and how, you know, people write sentence, how the sentence construction, things that you would be different than what you would do it, but you can learn from. I think there's so much to be said from just absorbing other books. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's really cool that you, that you do that um, from a narrator point of view. And I can see how that would be really valuable. Um, for people who are, um, people who are getting into this and maybe like, what are some of the resources? Maybe they, they don't have the, the professional training you have. Um, are there any resources that you've run across that you thought have been very informative for, for people to try to tap into and try to learn? Yeah. Um, so I am lucky enough to have been dating a lovely individual who is uh, very well versed in audio. But um, before we were dating, when I was still doing this, um, ACX has a lot of great resources. They do a university, um, okay, yeah. and that's great. And then there are a couple of 
um, like if you're if you're a member of the union, uh, SAG-AFTRA does a lot of cool workshops. Um, I think even reaching out to narrators directly. I mean, we you know we sit in our booths all day. We like to hear from other people. At least yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, reaching out and saying like, what advice could you offer me, or is there anything I should look into? Because everybody's got their own personal bible for how this works um but but definitely you know like the big ones would be acx and um maybe a couple online classes about audio engineering and like the tools you need to get set up i think that it's there's a lot of information out there make sure you're specific about the work you're kind of trying to do yeah Uh, i think it's interesting for people to understand too that it isn't necessarily a one-person show a lot of times um narrators will have another person for helping them with editing helping them with mastering the sound, things like that. Obviously, your, your boyfriend's talented in this department. Um, but what's your advice there in terms of finding people who will help you do this uh, professionally to get to a level where you can compete with other professional narrators and really produce a quality product? Because I'm sure there's levels to that. Yeah, um, there are. there's also a production resource on ACX where you can look up sound engineers. Um, so if you're a narrator and you're trying to do it, I, I would do not recommend doing it all on your own, especially if you're new, Mm -hmm. it is super difficult. It's very complicated and you don't want to be thinking about that. You want to be thinking about your performance, even if you kind of, even if you kind of net zero on a couple of projects to learn the ways of the world, um, look up on ACX. They've got a bunch of great engineers who, who will do really good work you and I mean there are a lot of really experienced audio engineers who um, pursue music in their off time and then their side hustle is audiobook engineering and voiceover engineering um, yeah. I know a lot of people who do that so so I think ACX is a great resource um, I'm not I'm not super hip with the rest but yeah. they do have a lot of but I think it's an interesting thing because uh, now is such an amazing time for audio it's booming yeah. uh, books in general are never going away, but we're shifting to, I think audiobook uh, sales have been going up by double digits every year because we have this access to, you know, Wi-Fi, Air, AirPods, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bluetooth, you know, apparatuses and around our home, you know, Alexa can read you Harry Potter right now for free because <laughs> um, JK Rowling's like, sure, you get, you get it all for free during COVID. Like, that's nice of her. <laughs> I think, I think she had COVID. I think she had the virus. So Maybe she's feeling extra magnanimous about it. But um, so audio is everywhere. It's in your house. It's in your car in a way that wasn't that way before. It used to be books on tape and Mm. it was a bulky, awkward way of getting. And it was expensive. It was much more expensive to buy audio books before. Now um, you can buy a Kindle version and add this on for a relatively low price. So Mm. um, audio is becoming, I think, a much more important part of an author's um, arsenal in terms of selling books, but also as a consumer, I know me personally, I my audiobook listening has gone through the roof. I consume far more books in audio now than I do in print or, or ebook form. Right, um, because you can do anything yeah. <laughs> while you're yeah. If you're like me and you're watching a, a toddler and she's watching, you know, the, the Lion King for the fiftieth time, you know, I mean, I don't really need to listen to that. <laughs> I can, mm-hmm. I can be there in spirit, yeah. you know, and be. Mm-hmm. Don't need so, to see Bubble Guppies again. Yeah, don't need no. to. And I know what happens. This episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, whether it's walking the dog or you know, running on the treadmill, whatever it is, um, you can have a book going and you can yeah. have an amazing per- performance happening in your ears uh, at any given time, which is such an incredible uh, opportunity that we have right now. So I think people that don't avail themselves of, you know, talented people um, and this opportunity are, are you know, shooting themselves in the foot. Because I, I, I was amazed, frankly, when I first got on ACX and said, look at all these amazing, talented people. And, you know, you can go on and, of course, you know, I visited your website and others and, and I can say, wow, look at all the, you know, the fun things that, that you've gotten to be a part of. And, um, you know, we should talk up too a little bit about your, your website. Your branding is amazing. Um, it's not that many people who can pull off just like a white on black website, but I think yours is, yours is incredible. For people who haven't, who, who haven't been there yet, you should check out uh, and, and see what she's doing because I think it would be uh, informative for authors too who want to see what a really cool, engaging website looks like. What is, what's yours based on? Is it WordPress or is it? Uh, uh, WordPress, on, yeah. Built on WordPress? Yep. Did someone, yeah. do you have a, a designer who designed that for you? How did you? Yes. Yeah, so I had a wonderful, wonderful designer who um, does a lot of e-marketing and then also designed the font that is on the website too. So he's a font designer and, and he's awesome. Um, and I think he and I were both trying to figure out our portfolios and build together and, and we've been we've been friends for a little while. So um, I enlisted him to help me with my website and I was really, really happy with how it came out because I, you know, one of the things that I had said to him, I was like, I was like, I don't really need it to just be my resume. I mm-hmm. want it to be, I want it to feel like you're getting to know a little bit about who I am through yeah. this, whether that's, whether that's vulnerable or whether that's prideful or whether that's, um, excited, you know, it, I wanted all of those. Yeah. yeah. I wanted all of those kinds of experiences laid out. Um, because I think, you know, especially, especially as an actor and as a creative in general, I think what people buy is, is you, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. I'm, I'm asking people to pay me to be a professional human being. Yeah. And one of the things that of course sticks out, sticks out about your website is that you have uh, a hero banner that's not static. You have a video hero banner, but it's, it's black and white. It's very tastefully done and it's it's really cool image we're so used to visiting websites and seeing a static image um Mm. to to show up on your website and all of a sudden be immediately transported into this video of you doing and engaging you know acting and narrating and doing the things that you're doing it's an entirely different experience from viewer standpoint um where you're like okay i automatically already feel like i know this person a little bit better because I've seen them in motion. I've been, mm. you know, I see them in action. And um, I think that's a very powerful tool that you've managed to tap into. Of course, you know, you have, instead of just doing, okay, I've got headshots, now you've got a video headshot, um, mm-hmm. which is what it comes across as, basically. It's like, okay, here's, it's not just a photo shoot, it's a video shoot. And now I'm gonna use this as my professional, um, sort of standard for a headshot, but it's, it's brilliant. I think, I think it works incredibly well. Was that something that you came up with on your own? Was that something that's commonly done in the actor circles? I don't even really quite know how to, I I don't know how it came to be other than that. um, Actors do a thing called showcase at the end of their BFA, which is Mm -hmm. when they invite a bunch of agents and casting directors and industry folk 
um, alone to watch them do acting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then they're like, please hire me. That's right. kind of the idea. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. yeah. For our showcase, uh, we had an, a lovely individual who's just a, a blessed, blessed individual in my life who, who decided um, that he was going to make a video to showcase everybody, like little snippets of everybody kind of in their element. Mm -hmm. So he, he organized a couple of days and we all just went and hung out and were ourselves. And he, um, he caught it together into a video and I really, really liked the way that he presented everybody as their best selves. And I thought yeah. it was a really effective way and they played it before our showcase. So I thought it was a really, really effective way for people to start to feel like they already knew who they were going to meet. Yeah. Um, and I wanted that feel for my website, too, because I felt like, oh, I want you to kind of get an idea for who you're going to meet and, and who who it is, I who I am that's not just, like, face, you know, right. actor, I, like, pose. Yeah. That's not what you're hiring me to do. You're hiring me to, to live a little right. through your work. Yeah. Um, and so I think I really like... I'm glad it reads the way it does, and I, I, I really think that that's an effective tool, and, and maybe even for authors, too, thinking about, like, how can you tap into what you really want people to feel when they look at your site? Like, mm -hmm. what are you really trying to get people to feel? It's, um, a, it's a really cool idea, because when you look at that, you think, okay, this is a brand of someone who looks authentic, and it feels like, okay... Yeah, they're a professional, but they're also approachable because part of the shot is just, you know, you sit on a park bench drinking coffee and then everyone does that. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. that's something that everyone can relate to, even though we maybe haven't been on television um, with other famous actors and things like that. We can connect with you on a human level. And I think it's, I mean, for, for authors who are looking to do that too, we're all trying to engage in an audience and we're all trying to create a particular brand. Um, and everyone has to know what that brand is. But to be able to portray it in a video form um, the way you have, I think, is is something a little bit out of the box that I don't see done that often. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that is a tip that really sets you above others. Like, it's something that's yeah. just like, I don't know. Because like if you go around, yeah. especially as a narrator, like you're competing all the time in auditions with a bunch of other actors who are also talented. And who probably mm -hmm. you know didn't get there, you know, just by chance. They've obviously put in a lot of hard work too. So any little thing mm -hmm. you can do to kind of give yourself that that edge of being like, wow, this isn't just professional. It's also just slick, you know, and looks mm -hmm. looks really good. So um, anyway, I encourage anyone who is listening to the podcast or who is you know watching the show, if you haven't, I put a link in in the comments for for your website. People can just go cruise over there and check it out. But I think it's it's worth looking at um, for anyone who's looking for interesting web design ideas but um, anyway I, I was impressed that's all I'm saying thank you. thank you I think any way I can connect with folks is my goal right you know like whether it's through working together or whether it's through oh I went to her website and she's not for me that's great but as long as like there was a connection made mm -hmm. that's my goal always and I think that's one of the things a lot of authors are slow to understand is that not everyone is for you. Like you're not trying mm -hmm. to connect with everyone. You're trying to connect with the right people. And the more ways we have to dial that down, the better. Um, it's one yeah. of the most rookie author mistakes people make is like, oh, I want everyone to buy my book. No, you don't. You want, <laughs> the, you want the right people yeah. to buy your book. Um, yeah. And it's got to be the same with, you know, 
voice talent or acting talent, you've got to have the right person for the character. You've got to. Yeah. And there's always going to be someone who hated what you did. So the best yeah. you can do is just do something you like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's always going to be, you know, like try to do your best, listen to people who know better, and mm -hmm. make something you like. Because otherwise, why? Yeah. It's a hard enough world out there to be slaving over other people's opinions. That doesn't help anyone make anything good. Yeah. How do you feel about your performance being tied to someone else's uh, writing talent? It's like, do you feel like, when do you read your the reviews and things like that and think, oh man, like I could have done a better job with better material? Or like, how, how do you feel about that? Uh, I... It's a hard one. I, I do not read the reviews at the uh, request of my significant other <laughs> um, because he has to pick up the pieces when yeah. I do. So I we have a, a little deal worked out where I ask him to read the reviews and then give me overarching notes. There you go. So if there's like a, a book that I did that I was like, oh, I don't know, did I do that accent or... Do I nail that character? I ask him to read the reviews and say, you know, a lot of people thought you didn't. Okay. Or, you know, there are a couple outliers who just hate right. everything about you. But yeah, there's always those. <laughs> most people, yeah. Um, so I, that's, that's kind of my jam. But, you know, I, I don't know. Every book has, everybody's got something that they're trying to say. And I, I was reading a book the other day that there was a quote from an author that said, you know, I would rather read a bad book where I could see someone was what someone was trying to get at than a really good book with no soul. Mm. And like a really well written or a really perfectly structured or and, and so I, I always just look for where people were trying. So I don't ever yeah. feel like ah, oh, I wish that book would have been better because it would have showed me off. I, I just I'm always grateful for people sharing their intimacy with me. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I appreciate I appreciate your professionalism and like your uh, like I said your willingness to go back and and do something over again. Like when I was working with you, if you had if there was it was few very few things that I think that I had comments on. But um, like I was listening to an audiobook the other day, and I think it was a Jim Butcher book that I I enjoyed. It was great, but the narrator was also a, a very talented actor. Did a great job. But made made quite a few mistakes along the way, just you know things that just were mess ups. And whoever did the editing obviously didn't listen very hard to to like <laughs> obvious mistakes. And I'm like, that would drive me insane as the author if I went back and listened to that and I realized how this word was mispronounced or this was clearly just the wrong phrase and like it wasn't able to fix it. I would lose sleep at night. Um, but you were so easy to work with that you were able to like, oh yeah, if there's anything, like I was proofing along, if there was something that was, you know, a, a word swap or something like that, you were 100% like, yep, absolutely, we're going we're gonna to fix it right now. Um, that, was, that was amazing to work with because some, sometimes we feel intimidated, I'm sure as authors, at least I do, talking to someone who's put their hard work into something to make them go back in the booth and do it over again. Um, is that super, what is that, is that super difficult or is that something that you can do relatively easily, go back and do pickups? Mm, uh, my system allows me to do it pretty relatively easily. Uh, as long as I have a timestamp, it's pretty easy to just like technically go back and do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think you got to get over your own ego when it comes to this stuff because it's not your, it is your story in the way that it has to be personal in order to be 
a connection mm-hmm. uh, in order to make that connection. But, but in terms of, it's not your story. It's, it's the author's story. It's their brainchild. It's their baby. And so if there's something that doesn't feel right to them, it's probably not right. Hmm. Because they spent a lot of more time than you did thinking about these people and the way they fit together and the events that transpire. And even if you think it's a stupid note, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. I, I mean, there's the classic actor thing of like, well, would my character do this? Yes, because it says your character does it. <laughs> Right. So like, (laughs) yes, you do that because that's how the story goes. And so like, I think that that's similar, which is like, if you have a feeling that like, oh, you know, I'm not so sure that character sounds like that. You're right. Because you wrote it. Yeah. Interesting. Although I think it's interesting too, like as, as the author, sometimes I'll write something and the narrator will, will read it in a certain way. I'm like, that's so much better than the way I intended it. And I'll just go leave it. You know, or even if there's sometimes there's like a, a, a sentence I wrote and there's like the words get swapped around, but it came out so much more naturally. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so much better. Why am I such a bad writer? So like, um, I'll just leave stuff in that like technically is not the, but it sounds better. So like, you gotta, you gotta fix it. Or you don't have to fix it because it's, it's already fixed. Um, but I think that's, I think that's good to hear. Like, we have some interact. We don't have a lot of interaction with any narrators through ACX. We have, of course, an audition script, which, you know, we give you, you know, maybe a few different characters to read, and we um, then we have maybe some notes on characters that we we give you to try to help you figure out, you know, pronunciation and um, maybe what this character is all about. Do you have any advice for people on the initial kind of like briefing that the author should give the, as far as enough information versus too much information? Um, really have a think about what it is you're looking to hear specifically in that audition. I think something that was great and I remember about your audition is, is you were pretty clear about what you were looking for. Mm. Um, at least that's what I remember. And, and I also remember that you picked specifically text that, that reflected what you were looking for. So it, it wasn't a test, but it was how do you handle this because this is important to me. Um, I think in an audition, everything can't be important to you. Right. I know, you know, like it's your book and, and that's, that matters. But I think, um, I think to be as straightforward as you can, like I'm looking for this, these are the defining characteristics of the person I've written. And then also I need to hear this, this, and this. Yeah. That's great. That's enough for us. And then you'll figure out whether or not that's that, that person can handle it and you can go from there. Yeah. You know, if there was other things. To, to use some specifics for listeners, um, the the book I was writing was a sort of swashbuckling action adventure story that had a strong romantic element in it, and it did have a, uh, a romance part of it. So for me, it's like, okay, I want to hear the action parts. I want to hear that my narrator can do an action scene and keep, you know, kind of pick up the pace and make it seem um, quick and like there's a lot happening. But I also wanted to hear the tender moments where okay I've got a a Mm -hmm. protagonist and her love interest and maybe they're having a a tender moment and I want to be able to hear that so it wasn't just a matter of picking each main character and getting a a voice for each character it wasn't so much the voice it was almost the voice and scene or type of Mm -hmm. scene so if you go back through and say okay I need to hear an action scene I need to hear a romance scene I need to hear maybe a funny scene with a side character um, so like when I went through to pick those moments out of the manuscript, I was kind of intentional about saying, okay, I've only got maybe 10 minutes of audition that this person is willing to do. 
So let me mm. make sure that I get a variety of options. Um, and one of the ones I threw in, like, okay, okay, I found an action scene that also involved an accent. You know, so that <laughs> two birds with one stone kind of a thing. Yeah. So I don't know if that was helpful to you, but for me, that was how I approached it and said, you know, where can I get the most bang for my buck out of this 10 minutes that I'm going to get as an audition? Well, I think that's really, really useful because I, I mean, I, I've auditioned for a couple of books where the authors have put up like 20 pages and that's like, there is an element of that that's like, okay, that, that is, that's like a full 40 minutes of your audiobook, And at that point, like it's my job and I shouldn't be giving you 40 free minute, minutes of audio right. because it takes me twice yeah. as long. So I think thinking about, um, thinking about what you really need to hear and then also thinking about how to give your narrators as much, um, as much of the, the soul of the book too, mm -hmm. because then I think you'll know who's right for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, one of the things I did too, which I think some people appreciated some of the narrators I got feedback from was I gave us selections and I might've had five or six different selections, but I knew that it was going to take more than 10 minutes. So I said, you know, read the ones that you that you want to read, um, as opposed to you definitely have to read all of these. Um, mm -hmm. And I got some good feedback from narrators on that, where some would they had the time and they were into it, so they would just read everything, and some would just you know read the selections, you know, maybe four out of the five or whatever it was, mm. and it was enough to go on. Um, because I can honestly, when you're the author and you have a particular voice in your head and you go to listen to a narrator, you can tell in the first five minutes, the first minute probably whether mm -hmm. this person's voice is really for you because you might get you know 35 auditions and um the other thing and just as a and obviously we ended up working together mm -hmm. but i also got a lot of really positive feedback from sending a personal message to all the people that i didn't work with and said hey you know i decided to pick someone else um but thank you and i really enjoyed like you were in the top tier of the people that i wanted to work mm -hmm. with and etc and I got so many positive responses back because it seems like, from the other end, sometimes you're just sending the stuff off into the void. You send off this audition mm -hmm. and you just never hear anything. Is that the case? Yeah, often. Um, and I think it's it's always, I think you and I communicated too um, on that, which was it's just like, it's just a nice thing to know that you can cross it off of your list of things you might be doing. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah. very often, like, you know, for me, I, I'm an actor and I, I audition often you know even mm. during COVID I'm auditioning like five or six times a week between and even that's like off times is five yeah. or six times a week between audiobooks voiceover and just regular acting stuff and that's a lot of projects you may or may not be shifting your life around to work on right um and we put a lot of our we put a lot of our vulnerability into it and I, I don't think it needs to be a personalized thing to everyone but just even a thanks for doing that really appreciate it yeah. I think that it's if you're looking to take care of other creatives mental health it really helps. Yeah. I mean I, I guess maybe if if I could equate it to sending a copy of your book to someone and then never hearing back. Mm. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard throwing your creative energy into the void. The void is not a nice place, you know, for your yeah. creative energy to live. So it's like it's nice to get yeah. something back every once in a while. Um oh. Yeah. What is your schedule like now? Like if people are, are watching this or if they're listening to the podcast and they're interested in connecting with you and saying, hey, maybe this sounds like someone who might be a great voice for, for my character, um, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, you can email me. Uh, my email is on my website, 
I, if you want to work through ACX, I'm on there. Um, yeah, I, I, I have some availability right now just because what else am I going to do? I have, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have a couple of series that I'm working on right now. So I've got about five books in the queue, but that, that, you know, that can happen in two weeks because yeah, you're pretty efficient. So. <laughs> well, also because what, you know, yeah. If I'm doing anything else, my booth is just staring at me, waiting for me to come <laughs> come and say some words inside it. So, so yeah, I, I I'm always happy to talk to people and and if you need uh, if you need some male voices or if you're looking for a narrator who might not be me, I have a ton of friends who work in this industry, all of which I think are wonderful. Yeah, and really talented, and all are all of which are like, what do we do? <laughs> We're all at home. <laughs> That was, one of, that was one of the things I was very impressed with too is I sent um, a message to one of my other uh, narrators who I had worked with before when I was working with a, another audiobook and she said yeah you know here's my audition but also here's I'm going to get you about three or four more um, from other friends of mine who I think also might be good for this and I was super impressed by that and as far as the community that you guys have and that it's not I mean the author community is that way too, especially the indie author community like there's enough readers to go around I'm sure there's work to go around um, where it doesn't have to always be competitive. It can be a cooperative uh, industry. And I got that impression at least um, somewhat from, granted, a lot of you are in New York and some of you probably know each other personally, so um, yeah, might be part of it. But I thought that well, was I, nice. Yeah, I think I think that there's just no space in a creative industry to, to be crappy about it. Like, do you and and if and if it's making you that sad because you're not getting work just leave just be something else you know like it's not it's not worth all the drama and the competition like it 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 doesn't feed the thing to be that way i think it always is better to have good work made than to have booked the thing (laughs) or gotten the reader or the agent or whatever i i think it's just if, if you're a creator and you do it because you love it do it for that reason and the rest will happen. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's a great advice just for creatives in general in the industry and in any industry that, you know, cherish the relationships because the relationships will yield a lot more than that particular amount of money you would get for the job. Um, some, we're all, it's a, it's a small community, kind of, all things considered. Uh, I know the author, indie author community is, and I'm sure, you know, the professionals that you interact with in terms of narrators, also a small community. So, yeah, cherish those relationships for sure. Um, yeah. And I, I particularly look forward to working with you again. I hope to have another book with you uh, this year. So I'm, I'm working on it right now. I'm like two-thirds of the way through and hitting all kinds of walls, but I'm trying really hard to get this thing done so that we can oh, uh, I'm so excited. work together again soon. Well, um, if you haven't listened, we left it at a pretty exciting, romantic, <laughs> steamy place, which I'm excited <laughs> to get back to. I, will I really try. am. I will try to, to <laughs> not disappoint there. But, um, yeah, so Jess, uh, Nahikian.com, uh, Nahikian's N-A-H-I-K-I-A-N, for those of you listening on just the podcast, um, definitely check out the website. Uh, Jess has awesome, awesome branding. She's a, she's a very talented professional. Uh, if you're looking for, for a narrator, definitely check her out. Jess, thank you so much for taking the time to come and be on the show tonight. Thank you. I hope everyone is safe in their homes. Yeah, and you stay safe too. I mean, gosh, you're right in the, the heart of this thing. Um, yeah. So we'll be thinking about okay. it for sure. So. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Thank you everyone for watching and for listening, for commenting. Uh, and we'll be back again next week for another great episode. So, so long.
Have a good night. Goodbye.